0: Welcome to the Heroes Church podcast. Our vision is to build Christ-centered communities of imperfect people for the city. Now, let's listen to Pastor Z as he shares the scripture message. For the first two Sundays, we talked about how prodigal really means different things, uh, and it's not necessarily negative. So, The first Sunday, we talked about the father as we are breaking down this parable into the different characters. So first, we have the father and we talked about how he is the prodigal lover. And then last Sunday, Elder Scott came to share with us the more stereotypical prodigal son. And we exposed how he is actually displaying the virtue of self-discovery only to land at unfortunate ending. Of course, he eventually came back to his father, and then we have that story of reconciliation. Today, we're going to focus on the older brother. Before I proceed, let's begin with a prayer. Dear God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can worship together. Some of us are here gathered. Some of us are tuning in online. Wherever we are, Lord, may you just bring us together and may your spirit move in us so that you can illuminate for us your word. Speak to us, Lord. Convict us when necessary. And help us and our hearts be open to what you have to teach us today. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This week, we have seen the numbers of cases due to COVID, reach an all-time high. Some of us are getting tired of this news. Some of us are getting exhausted dealing with this pandemic. And maybe some of us are also burnt out after a year of facing this challenge. And you can imagine someone saying or expressing this emotion. Pastor, I have become very depressed. Since I have lost everything in the pandemic, I feel alone and afraid. What are you going to do when someone feels this way? How are you going to encourage someone who feels and expresses this deep sadness, this deep longing or just deep depression? I have a feeling that before It was easy for people to come to church, come to their pastors, come to their religious or spiritual friends to seek advice, to seek encouragement, to seek help. But maybe today, more and more people are no longer coming to the church. More and more people are no longer seeking spiritual advice. And I'd like to propose why. That is the case. That may be the case because a traditional reply would be something like this. Though well-meaning, it will appear this way. Friend, you and I are suffering. We are suffering because of the prevalent corruption and moral injustice in our country. Therefore, we should repent of our sins and set ourselves right so that the country will be blessed. To some, this advice this reply may sound good. If you read it, it's gonna have some merit. There is some truth that part of our suffering is due to corruption and moral injustice. And of course, when we repent, we do experience blessing. But is this the answer applicable to a weary soul? Is this answer satisfactory to a tired spirit? To an exhausted heart. Many times, people don't come to church anymore, don't seek pastoral counsel, because they are already assuming this will be the answer. It will again be a blame shift on the evils of this world and maybe our own personal evils. And if this is the reply we're used to, this is the reply we normally give others then maybe this message can help us, can help us see a different angle. And that angle is the big brother angle. So this morning, we will focus on the character of the elder brother. And we will see how he sees things from his perspective. And we can therefore understand why he became so upset And what does his being upset imply? Now, let us break down what was the Big Brother's approach. Well, to more religious people, the Big Brother is someone they can relate to. Salvation or blessing is found through following the law. If God exists, He is to be experienced. He is to be found by living up to His standards. And if we fail... God may forgive us if we are sincerely repentant. And I think growing up, that was easy for us to hear everywhere, whether you're Roman Catholic or you're Christian, when you make a mistake, you say sorry, but your sorry is being judged according to the sincerity of your repentance. And therefore, from his perspective, the Big Brother's approach means morally good people are in, And immoral bad people are out. In the paradigm of the older brother, this is how the world exists. This is how the world is surely experienced. And therefore, from that perspective, we have to understand where he is coming from so that we can learn from his experience. Now, let me again go back to how Jesus started this parable. Jesus did not say, Let me tell you a parable about the prodigal younger son. Nor did he say, Let me tell you a story about someone who lavishly wasted everything he was given him and repented and was reconciled to the father. No, Jesus in verse 11 said, There was a man who had two sons. It is only us, it is only the convenience of more modern translations that call this story the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus never said that. Jesus said, let me tell you a story of a man who had two sons. So we discussed the man during the first Sunday. We discussed one of the sons last Sunday. And then today we're talking about the other son. Because as far as Jesus was concerned, those two sons, were both prodigal. Those two sons were both lost. And it's only the traditional mindset, the stereotypical mindset that we have that ascribes the prodigal son to the younger brother. But today we will unlock why the elder brother is also lost and why he is on the same lost boat as the younger son. If this is your first time hearing this, then maybe it would be good to just look to the verses that we're about to show so that we can journey together. It's not easy, especially if we, we've always thought of this one-sidedly. We only saw the younger son as the bad kid and the older son as the good kid. It's going to be a struggle, but let's trust the Scripture to help us deal with this tension. And let me share for you some signs of why the older brother is lost. Let's look at the first sign. The first sign of what we would call big brother lostness is unhappiness and anger. Unhappiness and anger. Look at Luke 15, 28. But the older brother, after the younger brother has arrived, became angry. He became angry and was not willing to go in. And in fact, his father had to come out and tried to plead with him. So remember this traditional story of the prodigal son. They reconcile. The younger son is lost. Now he is found. The father throws a party, gives him the robe. Everyone is partying. Everyone is celebrating, except, except the older brother, except Kuya. And how does the Bible describe him? The Bible describes him as someone who is angry and was unwilling to celebrate with the party. So these descriptions of the older brother reveal for us that one clear sign of the lostness that we may have, similar to the older brother, is unhappiness and anger. As a Christian, how is your heart today? Are there things you're angry about? Are there times where you see people celebrating in your church, in your community group, but somehow you just cannot be happy with them? Why do you think that is the case? Again, these are just signs that can help us ask more questions. And maybe if you're an unhappy Christian, maybe if you're not joyful in your walk with the Lord, then maybe these are clues that there may be something happening in our hearts that we have to explore. To help illustrate this, one of the stories that I feel really capture the dynamic of the older brother is the story of Lemmy Serab. If you've seen the movie, watched the Broadway play, or read the novel, you will know that there are two main characters in this story. One is the prisoner, Jean Valjean, who committed a crime when he was formerly poor. Then he eventually became the mayor and you know, became wealthy. Now, Javert was the police inspector in charge of Jean Valjean. So when Jean Valjean escaped prison, He tried to look for him. He tried to hound him and find him. And so when he met Jean Valjean as a mayor, he never at first figured it out, but eventually he did. But rather than being joyful of the transformation the prisoner experienced when he became a mayor, Javert was very angry. He could not believe it. How can a prisoner, how can a criminal become mayor in his universe? That could not happen. In his worldview, that could not exist. And so he carried in himself so much hate. He carried in himself so much anger and he could not let it go. As Christians, especially if you've been a long time Christian, and even more when you serve in church, you could actually be a pastor, You could be an elder, you could be a deacon, you could be a ministry servant. Yet deep inside, you're angry. Deep inside, you're upset. Why? Because somehow you see younger brothers, younger sisters who don't live up to your standards, but experiencing joy, experiencing transformation, experiencing being found. And if you have ever experienced this, let's pay attention because that toxicity in our heart might be hard to get rid of. Now, let's look at the second sign. The first sign is anger and unhappiness, especially when people change. The second, which is more subtle, is what we would call manipulative obedience. Manipulative obedience. Look at verse 29. So remember, he didn't want to go inside the party. He walked out. He's angry. He's unhappy. The father still chases after him. The father is being consistent with loving both of his sons. He still chases after him. And when he sees the father plead with him, he responds, Look, for so many years I have been serving you. But actually, the spirit of this reply is, For so long, for all my life, I have been slaving for you, and I have never disobeyed a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. From this dialogue, we can extract that the the older brother was not only angry, not only Upset, but you can begin to see why he is upset. Because in his heart, in his mind, he has obeyed his father the whole time. And yet, he was not rewarded sufficiently at the level that is being displayed to the younger brother. Wow. You know, this is a very hard truth. But we have to say it, sometimes as Christians, we obey God because we want something. We follow the rules because we believe that by following the rules, we will get something in return. I've seen it happen. I've had those feelings growing up because that's how people around me taught me. That's how, that's how people around me live their lives. When you're a student, you want to pray, you want to do religious things, you want to be obedient. Why? because you want to pass the test. When you're applying for a job, you suddenly want to go to church. You want to pray. Why? Because you want to get the job. And then it begins as little things like that, to pray and follow, go to church, so that we can seek God's favor. But it's just the beginning of the rabbit hole. Eventually, when we're not careful, we dive into ministry. We serve in the church. We joined the worship team, we joined the Sunday school ministry, we joined pastoral ministry, thinking that it will lead us to some level of prosperity, some level of favor, some level of divine protection. Because we're all afraid. Deep inside, we're afraid. We're afraid that we're going to be poor. We're afraid that we're not going to be comfortable. We're afraid that we're not going to be affirmed as a person. And let me tell you if our motivation as servants of Christ is to be comfortable, to be affirmed, to be respected and to be blessed, that's not any different than the world outside the church. Who's trying to do things to get ahead, who's trying to follow some rules from laws of business and money to be live a more comfortable life, to be kind to the right people, be political savants in order to get favors, we're no different because the source or the focus or the object or the goals may be specific to us, but the methodology is the same. We obey to get something in return. We follow because we think that we become entitled to certain things, and that is obedience, but it is also manipulative obedience. How many Christians are obeying the law? How many Christians are going through the motions of coming to church, giving their tithes, attending community groups, subscribing to Christian podcasts, and doing all these things for the reason we want favor in our lives? I'm not saying that there's going to be some people who are like this. I'm saying a lot of us are like this because, in fact, many churches celebrate this. Many churches celebrate this phenomenon. Many churches abide by this perspective that if I follow God, if I follow the rules, if I do things that are Christian, God will tremendously bless me. Well, how does this pandemic change all that? How how does a crisis change? like COVID-19 challenge this deep view. To so this virus, it doesn't matter if you're in church or not in church. In fact, this virus has removed us physically from church. This virus doesn't care if you're a religious leader or not a religious leader. We've had pastors, uh, clergymen, elders, deacons, many servants, not only get the virus, some of them have died. Now, if your perspective is, if I follow the rules, God will bless me, God will protect my family, God will divinely appoint me to a favor, how can we explain that? The sad thing is you can manipulate your way into obeying God, but life will prove you wrong. And that is why you can begin to understand why the older brother is angry, why he is upset, because his perspective is being proven wrong. Because if his perspective is correct, how the younger brother was welcomed wouldn't happen. How dare the father welcome him back? How dare the father throw him a party? How dare the father take some of my property and share with him? He does not deserve it. You know, a lot of times churches, it's so sad. When I hear it, sometimes I've been asked to take care of other people because they are so disobedient to the rules of other churches. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you passing it to me, Pastor? Because they don't comply. Comply with what? Comply with our rules, comply with our discipleship programs. So anyone who does not comply with your discipleship program, you kick them out? The sad reality is yes. The church could be a very cold place. The church could be a place where you could actually feel kicked out if you don't comply to a certain standard or a certain rate of growth. You get judged and you know you get referred to other people who'll take you <laughs> like me. <laughs> but you know let's go to the third sign. Third sign of the older brother so that we can wrap it up is we find that he is like this because he feels superior and cold. Okay, So the brother is angry and unhappy. The big brother is manipulatively obedient. And third, he is superior and cold. Look at how the brother continues his script in Luke 15.30. But when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours came... Who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The way this older brother disconnects from his sibling implies that superiority. We're not alike. We're not the same. He is definitely lower than me. And that is also a sign of a big brother spirit, a lost big brother heart. If you're a Christian and you feel superior to other people, if you're a Christian and you feel cold about other races, other cultures, other ways of life, then you exhibit a sign of having that lost elder brother spirit. Unhappiness and anger, manipulative obedience, superiority and coldness, are these things that you'd want to keep in your heart, in your mind, It's going to be stressful, but the truth is, some of us are so comfortable with these emotions that we keep them and hide behind our religion and faith to keep them. And that is why we're sharing this message to you, because we want you to be aware that even as Christians, even as religious people, these traits, these characteristics, these toxic emotions, could well exist in your heart. So the question is, what is the hope for Kuya? What is the hope for Big Brother? Well, we find two. Two hopeful things that I pray can be a comfort if you find yourself relating to the Big Brother. The first hope is the access and availability to the Father's presence and wealth. The father, when he pleaded with him, said this. He said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. See? You know, look at how the father addresses the big brother. It's almost a repetition of how he engages the younger son. The big brother is displaying the same lostness. He leaves the tent of where the father is and goes away. Yet the father comes to him and still calls him son. Son. Still gives him the assurance that he is loved, that he is seen as family. And what does the father say? This is so beautiful. says, son, you have always been with me. Okay, You have always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. Many times we lose that focus. Many times we lose the most important center. And that is the presence of the Father in our lives. We tend to look at other people. We tend to look at non-Christians. We tend to look at faulty Christians. We tend to look at substandard Christians and judge them rather than looking at the relationship we have with the Father. One of the hard realities and sad truth is that as Christians, we like comparing. As Christians, we like talking and judging others when we should really be focused on the presence of God in our lives. If we just focus there, that we have access to the Father's presence and His amazing grace. We will have less time to look at other people. We will not be comparing nor judgmental. It will heal the way we relate with others. And second is, since the older brother is displaying the same lostness, just in a different approach, the father offers the assurance of transformation. In verse 32, the father says, We have to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been since found." Many times we take this part of the story and think this is all about the younger son being embraced. But actually, this was also a plea by the Lord Jesus to the big brothers listening. If you read Luke, you will find that the people listening to Jesus in this story were two kinds of people. The religious leaders and those whom they call sinners. Who do you think Jesus is addressing when he talks about the older brother? Of course not the sinners. He's addressing the religious heart. He's addressing the religious mindset. And he is offering them a reorientation, a recentering of perspective. If you've grown up in church, if you have been a Christian for a while and you are developing these signs of unhappiness, anger, manipulative obedience, superiority and coldness, you don't have to change religion. You don't have to change scriptures. You don't have to you know, panic and imagine that all the things you were taught about Christianity is wrong. We just have to bring it back to the center, bring it back to the main thing. Bringing back to the main focus, the big brother in this story failed. But the good news is we have a better big brother, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn among many. He came to seek and save those who were lost rather than judge and kick them out. Imagine when God the Father decided that he will provide a way, that he will want a way, to save the sinners. Jesus could have been like the big brother, walked out and said, I will not have anything for this, but Jesus did not. He volunteered and willingly said, I will go to earth and save my brothers and sisters. And that is the good news. Jesus came down here to live a life that is perfect so that he can purchase for us the forgiveness for our sins. We are Christian because we are forgiven sinners. We are Christians because we are made aware that we are lost, but then we were found. When we focus on that, when we go back to that gospel, we have no right to judge others. We have no right to be cold or superior or to be unhappy and angry with the transformation of other people. In fact, the opposite should be true. As Christians, we should be the most loving people. We should be people who are willing to pay the price so that other people will be helped. We should be people who are willing to always give hope of transformation to others because that is the hope we received. And that is the grace we experienced. And because of that, that is the same love that can heal the heart of us big brothers. With that said, I appeal to you. Take a step back, reflect this week, how is the joy in your heart? How has your journey been like as a Christian? Have you been growing more loving and joyful or are you growing more upset and angry? Have you been obeying God because it is a response or have you been obeying God to get something? Do you feel self-pity when others are being promoted and getting better houses, better cars than you? Or are you happy and content with what the Lord has provided for you? Brothers and sisters, it's a tension we all face. We're easily tempted by the world. We're easily comparing with how other people live. But don't worry. The good news of being a Christian means God is with us. And His presence is our ultimate reward. If we stay in that presence and enjoy Him, There is nothing the world can take away. There is nothing the world can take away from us that will make you upset, make you cold, make you angry, and make you have to obey out of manipulation. Our hope is in the gospel. And when we trust it, believe it, apply it, we will move away from big brother lostness into being found in our ultimate brother's embrace. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this parable that is so complete. Forgive us for our traditions that made us focus only on the younger son, when we have failed to see the implications that we learn also from the big brother. And thank you for opening our eyes to this truth. Lord, we pray that we can be more aware of the lostness that the big brother has, because many times as Christians, as religious people, we will find ourselves having this kind of lostness. We may not be like people on the street or people who commit crime or people who have obvious sins, but Lord, we are no better than them. We are the same. If our hearts are far from you, Lord, please be patient with us. If we are angry, upset, cold, draw us near to you. Remind us of your grace. Remind us of your love. Remind us and show us that we are found, not by our morals, not by our obedience, but only by your grace. Heal our superiority. Replace our anger with joy. And help us transform into the sons and daughters you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.